0: Welcome back to the Agostino Zynga Show with I your host Agostino Zynga and this is episode number 610. That's 610 of the Agostino Zynga Show. That's 610 of the Agostino Zynga Show with I your host Agostino Zynga. I hope you've got that now after I repeated myself three or four times. How am I? Very well, thank you, very, very, very well I hope you guys are doing well, wherever you're listening to this Whichever part in the world you are, whatever you're doing Whether you're taking the caca, whether you're taking the pee-pee Whether you're eating something nice, whether you're sleeping Whether you're scratching your nini, whether you're scratching your doo-doo I hope you are doing well I am here once again, podding, as per usual because Sober October means I'm not outside raving, getting mashup and enjoying the nightlife. So here I am doubling down on the one thing that I like to do creatively that brings me some level of joy, which is um, one part you know motivating another part quite depressing because it means that all this time that I haven't been pumping out pods and you know keeping on top of the content has mainly been uh, as a consequence of me going out because now especially as I progress in years it takes me far longer to recover so when I do go out and I get shop it takes me what two days maybe three days to recover which then takes out time of me podding which then obviously takes me time away from kind of covering cultural topics which then takes me time away from being on top of it and kind of riding that algorithm wave which then hinders my possibility of taking this thing four times so all of those things are basically things that only I can change and only I can affect and clearly there are things that I've been kind of shooting myself in the foot with so um you know it kind of bummed me out but hey here we are we're gonna correct the wrongs as we need to be as need to be done one step at a time in it one step at a time so Going on from all that, I want to quickly touch upon this and open the show with this news that came out last week regarding the Glazers and the ownership of Man United. I'm, you know, not, don't like to talk about football too much on here because it bums me out and because I'm aware that some of you might get bored about it. But I'm interested in this because for the last week or so, there's been some really strong debates being had in the Twitter Spaces um, community of football, Man United supporters for the most part. If you're not familiar, Twitter Spaces is a pretty decent little app um, on Twitter which I use mostly on the app itself and not via the website I don't really think it works out on the website but I think it was better on the app itself it's basically like Clubhouse and you just talk with people via audio chat and stuff right in these little audio chat rooms and for some reason I think Man United fans and maybe Arsenal fans basically dominate that space right we're all over it and there's been some really really good and passionate debates around United and most of it obviously is around football players and is Ronaldo the striker that we need up front. Should we have signed somebody else? That right now that Marshall keeps on getting injured, the constant debate about who should play at left back with Luke Shaw and Malacia. Um, why isn't Casemiro playing more often? Why is Scott McTominay still playing? Is Bruno Fernandes playing well, or are people have an agenda where they can't notice it? That when he is playing well, um, you know the debate around the right back with Delo, Sancho's dipping form. Is Anthony worth eighty-five million? All this sort of stuff, right? There's just a constant argument and debate going on about United, and most of it is. I think surface level because I think for the most part you can di- you can kind of draw a direct correlation between when United started to kind of slowly but surely wither away as a footballing force from the time the Glazers took ownership of our club, right? And I think as owners they have single-handedly brought this club to its knees in Man United. And I don't think it's any coincidence that we're in a situation that we're in now, especially given that all the other clubs around us have owners who care somewhat about winning trophies they don't all care to the extent of like they only care about winning but they it's kind of on their board of things that they want to achieve in the season it's not always about the kind of marketing bit or the commercial side of the club which is obviously handy but the success on the pitch they feel like for some of these other clubs is sort of um paramount in terms of ensuring all that commercial stuff happens which you would think is common sense but for some reason when you're the Glazers that I think they just assume or they kind of feel like or maybe there's evidence for it that for the most part United are always going to be in Europe whether it's in Europa League or Champions League maybe it doesn't matter too tough to them and then they can always sort of use that and the kind of history that we have as a club of winning trophies and just being part of some great footballing memories and whatever, and just use that kind of nostalgia to kind bleed the club dry with dividends and what else um, they take out the club. So all those things are clearly things that I, you know, as United fan have seen and think that unless we rid ourselves of these owners, the debates around right backs and left backs and goalkeepers and who plays up front and midfielders doesn't matter because these owners are the main reason why we're in this position we're at, at the moment. I think even things like ill-discipline at the club, certain players going out and saying certain things to certain publications, um, certain players clearly kind of, you know, feeling like they're untouchable. All these kind of things I feel like are issues that are kind of rooted in the ownership of the Glazers because they don't really hold anybody accountable apart from managers who don't finish fourth. Players are basically allowed to get anything. Um especially if they have um the favour of some of the board members like people like a is a good example, right? I think, you know, it was widely reported that Mourinho didn't really like him when he first saw sort of, like got the job at United. Um, and he kind of wanted to kind of put him on the transfer market and let him go and buy somebody else. And United basically put the kibosh on it. They didn't want to let him go because they had, you know, their own kind of favoritism towards Martial. So that immediately undermined the manager's authority. And if you're playing, that happens. It basically makes you feel untouchable because the manager wants to let you go but the people that actually own the club who pay his salary are saying now you stay because we like you so all those things I think are issues that are can't really going to be rectified unless we get rid of the owners and then this article came out on the 12th that says the Glazer families May United sale price would make them the most expensive sports teams ever and there's been long been a rumour out there that allegedly the Glazers want to sell the club because I think it came about because I think somebody had leaked news that they were wanting to sell portions of the club like they were offering up percentages um whatever it may be and those percentages were active i think you know sometimes you get a percentage of a club and you're not really an active member you don't really participate in decision making process or whatnot but i think whatever small percentages they were offering up was with the provisor that you could also get involved in the football side of things but then the same person who leaked that news i think suggested no it's not actually just a small percentage they want to sell the whole lot and now they've actually put a number and a figure on it and i think it's like it's probably proportionately high, but maybe it makes sense because I think they only bought it for $4 billion, I think, technically. I think when they took over the club, I think so, I'm too sure. But the article says, it's believed the Glazer family would consider selling Man United if they received a bid of over $10 billion. Supporters at Old Trafford have been unhappy with the owners since 2005, 100% agree there were protests and, you know, um, chance and green and gold from the very beginning of their ownership, of their, even before they, they took over the club. So all these fans online who are like saying to United fans, weirdly enough, but, oh you're only complaining because you're not winning, is insane because none of those clubs will take the guys as owners. They're honestly parasites. United have won the League, haven't won the Premier League since 2013, and guess who retired around then. But the Glazers are argument that they don't want to sell According to the Daily Star It will cost a record fee for a sports team For the Americans to part with their most valuable outset That would make the U- U- United the most expensive team in the world Despite us being an utter failure On the pitch and showing no Real sign that we're going to succeed Again on the pitch Unless we get either a Because I've always said United are never going to win the league again or win a Champions League Unless we're just plain lucky And these things happen unless we end up with a reincarnation of Sirius Ferguson as a manager, some guy comes up, it might be Ericsson Haag, whoever it is, and they happen to be the reincarnation of Sirius Ferguson where they're able to pull us kicking and screaming over the line despite all our many flaws, or unless we sell the Glazers. There's no way we're going to do it. And every year the Glazers stay, it adds maybe another two to three years of our eventual kind of coming back sort of thing because all the other clubs around us are progressing you see what, see what Arsenal are doing Liverpool obviously going through a little bit of a dip in a trans not a dip a dip obviously um, maybe the club era ends and you get somebody else in who to freshen that club up but they're kind of set up in a way where I think they'll bounce back pretty easy and they have the winning mentality bloody blah, blah 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 Man City are always going to do what Man City are going to do Chelsea are always going to do what Chelsea are going to do and then Spurs obviously with hiring Conte have already shown what their intent is and 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 Newcastle have new ownership too, who have deep pockets. So all these clubs are already on the on their on their way to kind of regaining a foothold in the league and have foothold maybe in Europe. And some of them are already there. So you're having to compete with those. So it's no, there should be no entitlement to us just suddenly getting new ownership and all of it being hunky dory. We're still gonna have to go through a stage of kind of, you know, ironing out the, the. the kinks And getting over Some internal beefs And getting rid of players And restructuring the club It's going to be a lot of work To get this club back Where it needs to be But the first bit of work Starts with getting These glazers out And unless they go Unless they go We are really effed For, for a very very long time It's no coincidence We are where we're at now So it's pretty gnarly To think of all the money This club generates We're so far behind In the league We spend a lot of money But it's always spent In really bad ways And yet we're still Value valued at one of the most expensive sports teams in the world despite us being so crap on the pitch. It just goes to show how terrible the Arizona is basically. How can you have one of the most you know, most expensive sports teams in the world, yet you can't deliver consistent trophies, you can't deliver consistent success, you can't deliver, you know, a playing style. We've only developed a real, you know, discernible playing style now under Terry Ten Hag, right? We had to kind of poach an IX manager to kind of come over and basically give us a style of play and identity of sorts. It's crazy. Um, the greatest evaluation of the United is larger than Dallas Cowboys, a five-time Super Bowl winners, who so have a valuation of eight mid-billion. Super Bowl, five-time Super Bowl winners have eight billion. United haven't won a league since 2013, 10 billion. Yeah. Protest against the guys' ownership in August saw Jim Rathcliffe emerge as a potential buyer. Any found founder Jim Ratcliffe showed interest in speaking to the Glazers about the purchase during the summer, but nothing came of the discussions. Ratcliffe, Britain's second richest man, discussed the United during the president's financial time on Tuesday. He declared, My United has been owned by the Glazer family, who I've met. I've met Joe, I've met Avram. They're the nicest people, I have to say. They're a proper gentleman. <laughs> yeah, of course you'll say that because you want them to sell. They don't want to sell it. It's owned by six children of the father. They don't want to sell it. <sighs> Unless we sell it, we are messed. The 69 year old showed interest in Chelsea when they were on the market and owns a League One outfit OGS Nice. He continued, If I had been for sale in the summer, then yesterday we would probably have gone following through. We'd gone, we probably had. Not now. We'd probably had to had a go following on from Chelsea thing, but we can't sit around hoping that the one day United will come available. We have an exciting opportunity franchise but the one thing we don't have is a premier team. The most popular sport in the world is football and it's a sport we're brought up with and it's one that's closest with. We really should have an asset in the sports team. And of course everyone wants him because he's a lifelong United fan also. So that kinda of makes sense. But I feel like all the debates, like I said, around United are basically null and mute unless we get rid of the owners. These, these owners are essentially the reason why we're at, we're at where we are at the moment. So unless we're able to kind of get rid of them, we're not going to be able to be successful again. But it also feels like, you know, only one of the most expensive sports teams in the world. Why would you want to sell? Right. They're kind of bleeding the club dry of all of all funds. Um, without really investing heavily into the, the the restructuring or the rebuilding of the club, not really committing to the restructuring of it either, getting rid of, you know, what's his name, Raf Ragnick, when he started to kick up a fuss and identify areas of the business that were clearly not where they wanted to be, installing loads of yes-men, the Oligana Solskjaer saga, I would never let them live that down that was a horrendous appointment and everything else in between so this is looking pretty bleak for United fans so, you know, buckle up and just enjoy the ride for what it is but the times of us coming back are way, way, way down the horizon Especially if these guys decide to stay forever and ever We are probably royally effed And that is with a capital F That's with a capital capital F Next one, let's talk about Oh yeah, this is good So I just wanted to quickly touch upon this This is a really decent article Courtesy of Resident Advisor It's a little bit, you know, cringe Because it's obviously something that's um done in correlation with uh, What's the brand called? Diesel So it's like a paid brand piece. So it's a little bit of a fluff piece, whatever it may be. But I thought um, overall it was a good little insight into what promoters are going through nowadays, right? Because like I said, I was a promoter for a very, very long time in East London. Um, five plus years doing my stuff in Dawson and whatnot. And I have to say it was one of the best and hardest jobs I've ever had in my entire life, you know, convincing people to come to a party I was throwing. At the time that I was doing it was not a was a free rave and I still had trouble trying to convince people to come down. I'd book, we book, the guy I was doing it with, we'd book really good DJs. We'd go out of our way to always pay people to, um, you know, and we'd actually book and try and book good people to pay them because some people just want to book their friends and not have to pay to kind of keep the cost down. But we do all that, we design cool flyers, would have cool little marketing campaigns, bloody blah, 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 blah. And it really didn't help anything really in terms of getting people down. People just were either up for it or they weren't. And it was kind of a hard pill to swallow. And sometimes you also had a realisation, a quite sobering one, of how many of sometimes the most successful people that you think online in terms of their views and engagement aren't necessarily some people that people are gonna come out for and want to see. Um, that was very, very kind of illuminating. And then you realise, oh shit, so many people are either buying views or they're just not as popular as their social media presence would lead you to believe so it's kind of a hard place to kind of operate in and if you just book your friends you're just basically running parties at a loss and who has money to just keep putting on parties and just having them burn a hole through your you know having money just burn a hole through your pocket and whatnot it's a bit of a dumb thing to do but um, it's also something I'm also thinking about doing myself I'm actually thinking about starting a um, residence party the essential premise behind it would be to just book loads of really cool residents at different clubs around the world, like, you know, that I kind of rate and then have them play and the whole idea behind it would be like, hey, the premise is resident DJs are just as good as these big marquee ones, but they don't get celebrated because they're usually playing the opening or the closing sets of a club where people are even not there or they're about to leave after the main person's there. So this is kind of celebrating them and putting them on the kind of pedestal a little bit. And obviously in terms of affordability, it probably be a lot easier to book somebody who kind of is a resident at Bergheim than, you know, main 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 person that kind of flies around all the these different places so that's the kind of premise um, the premise I'm sort of going for and that's sort of kind of thing I'm gonna f- kind of flesh out and see if I can do later on but in general these four people are part of the London scene in terms of putting on some really cool events um, you've got someone from Pussy Palace you've got someone from Guthering um, you got someone from Cousins and you got someone from No ID talking and I thought it was really interesting because of the point regarding um, The pictures are really cool too. I'm guessing they're all wearing Diesel as well by Glenn Martins, I'm assuming. Right? Is it all Diesel by Glenn Martins? But it is, yeah. Everyone looks really, really cool in this thing. Good photo shoots and shit. Great outfits. The photography is fucking booming. What I thought was really interesting was the conversation around safe spaces and the admission by everybody that was in a group, basically, that safe spaces don't exist. I thought that was super sobering because these four people are from, represent some of the more, I would say forward thinking, um, parties that kind of represent unrepresented communities, right? Or people that are kind of, you would assume that would need safe space, especially people within the kind of queer LGBTQ plus scene. So to said, have them basically admit, hey, um, we are women focused, we are LGBTQ plus focused, we are queer focused and we always try to make sure that we create as safe space as possible. But there is no such thing as a safe space. is pretty sobering and pretty interesting to hear, but also kind of bummed me out because like I said, previous times in other podcasts, like I have this weird um, you know, hope that nightlife, especially parties that we're kind of involved in the dance music, you can kind of create this sort of like temporary utopia where you're able to go and sort of like you know unplug from the daily scourges of everyday life and just kind of exist in this safe space where you can just do and be who you are without having the pressures or having having people come and basically make you feel less than like you that happens in the sort of outside world, but. Obviously, with me going out quite often and going to all these different spaces myself and also sometimes, you know, having my own bad behaviours that I'm still trying to kind of root out of my flipping psyche and my kind of overall presence is very difficult to do. And then you realise in general, nightlife and just clubs in general just just attract dodgy people. And then on top of that, all of these stories that we hear, you know, how many stories have we heard about um, issues regarding, you know, uh, abuse or whatever it may be in party scenes in Paris and whatnot in party scenes of course in Berlin in party scenes around here in London there's always been these issues and they usually happen in a more kind of niche quote-unquote avant-garde quote-unquote quote, you know genre bending pushing the envelope forward thinking alternative club nights um, as of course the big kind of marquee t- big ticket sort of I miniature mean, sound ones fabric ones but there's a lot of issues happening even in the smaller bits of the scene so it's clear to see that nightlife alone just this very nature just attracts dodgy people yeah people that have bad intentions so it's very difficult to just root it out because you know just random people come into a party at the end of the day there's only so much you can do beforehand to make it kind of safe for people but this is the question that they asked in the article that i'm going to quickly read it says on illusions of safe space no Ahmad said the following what is safe who can't guarantee who can't guarantee safety it's just irresponsible to do that especially for people who've missed out on two years of socialising, um, socialisation, sorry. We know what the club is like. People are drunk, they will bump into you, but someone who's never been in a club won't necessarily understand what is going on or what it's going to be like. Safety is personal. It's about you, the crew and what you roll with and how you navigate through the space. Talking about bumping into people, that's one thing I noticed a lot when I went to Vergan recently. Um, there was a real uptick, I felt like in that whole kind of like... Um, Uh, main character sort of like person who kind of just rolls through the dance floor and just pushes everybody else just to get to where they want because I guess the whole like saying excuse me thing is a bit redundant you don't want to keep saying that a million times before you get to the front where you want to get to but there has to be some level of common decency but I saw a lot of people just like holding their friend's hand and just kind of pulling them through Um, the crowd and just whoever they knock over they knock over but they didn't give a crap and I thought that was really lame but I saw it quite often a lot of times and I guess you know if you then turn around especially me as a straight dude and say hey can you chill out You immediately come across Like you're aggressive You're immediately basically You know And there's, the assumption is That you're kind of In their space You're basically a guest In these spaces um, The spaces are made For people who are Predominantly you know represented, re- Who represent themselves Or you know As gay or queer Or whatever it may be So you don't really Want to do that Cause a scene But I've probably been Bumped and barged Way more times In those spaces Than I ever have been In like a You know Tech house rave For half bake or something You know what I mean It happens way more everyday and that kind of Techno Undergroundy You know All black Big stomper shoes Wearing kind of space Which is really annoying And really weird But hey Another person says, AG, hey, um, no matter what you do, you won't be able to keep tabs on 500 people. But because your intent is to be mindful about the things that could possibly happen in a room full of 500 people, you are able to lead with intent. That's what people should read when you see, when you read the word safe space policies. Actions are done to try to make the safe space um, for people uh, on hand to act if anything happens. But it's also not going to be an idealized version of the world, of course. And that's something I like a lot because they've. I think you see a lot with parties that cross-breed, Price like price per. He's like Verboten and a few others where they say, "Hey, we have people on hand who will be identified with like a wristband or like a armband or a t shirt that you can go to if you feel uncomfortable with X, Y, and Z." Another one says, um, another person called Lay I think who's part of Guffering, said, um, I agree. We always say that it's impossible to create a safe space if there are substances and alcohols involved. People are intoxicated. There's no way you can control the environment. You can just try to make it as comfortable for everyone as possible. So... As bad as this is, you know, realisation, maybe the onus should be put on just, you know, people actually being punished if they do do something untoward. That's the only issue that we have now, I think, in music that's kind of hard to kind of swallow, where essentially if something does happen to you. What happens? You know what I mean, what actually changes? What actually goes on? Like, for instance, um, who's that guy? I forgot his name, but the dude who passed away unfortunately maybe um, self-expired um, himself when he was accused of what he was accused of of maybe raping I think some girl at his mansion or whatever it may be the lady who came forward with that with that allegation do you did you really think she wanted a guy to kill himself I don't think so she maybe wanted him to be held accountable I, was, I think it was Oscar Murilla I think his name was right Oscar Murilla. I think she'd probably want him to be held accountable for his actions but I don't think she would have wanted him to self-expire but then he self-expires and essentially the whole issue goes away. And then you look kind of nuts if you try to pursue it because a person's past but you wanted to see actual change in the industry and has there been actual change? Not really. We've seen loads of instances of people coming up and saying, you know, whatever's happened to them in the scene that they didn't like untoward just originally the issue obviously with lobster ferriman um, and the founder there and somebody who was working with, has there really been a change? Has there really been an investigation? No details we don't really know. Um, That's the real hard part of it. So I think we're all aware that, you know, the, the illusion of safe spaces is what it is an illusion. But there also needs to be a collective sort of, um, what would you call it? There needs to be some sort of collective responsibility for making sure people who are, at you kind of suffer the consequences of somebody being a dick or somebody being gross, that the person does face some sort of punishment. I don't know what it is personally, I don't know if it is, you know, somebody facing jail time, I don't know if it is somebody being excommunicated, dropped off for bookings and stuff or whatnot, but something needs to be done so that you can deter people, because right now it doesn't feel like it happens, it feels like if you have fans who don't care enough, then usually you can kind of survive anything it doesn't really matter how bad the allegations are if you have fans don't care it usually doesn't matter and especially on top of that if you're represented by somebody really influential or like a label or like a booking agency then you can really skate and buy and not really be um you know not really be held accountable for your actions in the slightest which is really really horrible in my opinion but hey you know what do I know in this stuff, but I do recommend you check it out. It's a pretty decent article. Um, this is the title: "London Nightlife Today," according to four promoters. Like I said, it's a, a promotion piece and done in junction with Diesel, so maybe it's not the best representation of an actual honest piece because it's a bit fluffy. Because obviously it's a brand piece and sponsored marketing, whatever maybe. But I still think it was pretty valuable to read and definitely inspired me to think about maybe getting back on the promotion um, thing and putting on my own rave, like I said before. So watch the space. Continuing on, this is pretty brave, isn't it? This is courtesy of and it says Kiev clubs closer and the one with the sign, which I think is K41. Um, yeah, I think that's a street that is on the number of the place. Overcome safety fears and power cuts to host parties this weekend. Do you remember the time of the pandemic when people were complaining about the plague raves and people like myself and people couldn't wrap their head around why people would want to go and out and rave during such a bleak time when legitimately people's bodies were dropping all over the place and we didn't really we couldn't really work out what was going on bloody blah blah blah. I think these sort of articles or these sort of occasions, especially no, I think at the time anyway, I did my own research and figured out that. There was a a real, it was a thing in history in general. There was always a bit of an uptick in people basically wanting to go to parties and kind of, what was that thing called, drown their sorrows, so to speak, or to kind of... uh, distract themselves from the scourge of daily life by actually going to parties. So it was actually kind of a thing that happened quite often. Like underground events and bars and things will pop up in some of the most bleakest times because people didn't want to be, you know, at home just kind of focusing on all the negative that was going around. They wanted to kinda of distract themselves with the thing that we all know how to distract ourselves with, you know, which is booze and drugs and stuff. So this is pretty common but just in, you know, considering what we've all seen online in terms of images that have been that have been passed around of what's been going on in Kiev and stuff, it's just a little bit you know crazy to think people are out there and they're legitimately raving under the kind of sea of missiles kind of raining down on them but this shows incredible bravery and the incredible spirit of people that live in Kiev and live in Ukraine in general it's absolutely mad it says it follows two Kiev most cherished nightclubs are hosting parties during the weekend against the odds due to the old capital's ongoing curfew which bans nightlife between 11pm and 5am closer and uh, AK and K41 are opening and closing early okay because I remember I saw actually there's a cool little video where people spoke about it and it was really just to see the confusion and the sort of um, conflict that was going on in people's brains because there was a video where they, were, they went to a couple of clubs because obviously because of curfew a lot of the clubs have to do day parties but it was still pretty full people going out and sort of dancing outside and the, the interviewers was asking people in general how it feels to be outside and they were all really conflicted to basically, basically be saying hey we, should, I know we, know we shouldn't do this I have friends who have passed away I have friends who are currently fighting on the front lines but we need to kind of distract ourselves from what's going on and kind of try to live a somewhat normal life to kind of get over this not I don't know it was something interesting like that and it was a really interesting video to see because you could see the confusion and the conflict and uh sort of like guilt and whatever else you know in their eyes that they're going through whilst they were like holding you know uh, a flipping gin and tonic dancing while the threat of flipping missile attacks from Russia was just kind of on the on the prefaces you know what I mean it continues. Close to celebrate this nice anniversary with free events, starting with a live performance by C Process this evening, October 14th, the Saturday, 2 p.m. through 9 p.m. and Sunday through 8 p.m. 9 p.m. parties will run to longer for the first time since the war began in February. Foreign artists are making a trip. Among them is Roman K, Bruno Schmidt, and Alex Savage. So big up all those people. Big up Roman K. Big up Bruno, Sch- Bruno Schmidt, and big up Alex Savage for traveling to flippid Ukraine and playing. That shows real bravery. All those those wallads who are going to fucking colombia and taking advantage of their lax so like covid restrictions and they need to have tourist money coming and stuff or whatever it may be you guys were scummy do you know what i mean but this is real bravery you don't see any of those guys going over there and playing you know what i mean all those people that are flying around doing playgrounds where are they now where are they where's Blawan and he's flipping weird cape where is he um, it continues no matter what all three events will take place close to todd resident advisor our foreign guest decided to come this long this this long and perform it's around 28 hours one way wow also we came up with a solution is it twenty-eight hours one way because i guess they have to stop over at different places you can't go directly there i'm assuming right also, we came up with a solution that light and electricity because after shelling, there were problems with this. The event um, at 40, K41 is community-focused and low, more low-key, starting at 2 p.m. on a Saturday. Local DJs, human, Margarita, who works as part-time as RA, wow, um, and can Trust are performing. All proceeds from an event which is cash-only will go towards buying medicine for the UK military unit. According to the club, German artist M. Armand Henrik Schmidstown that it costs electricity and heating. Incredible, incredible to hear. That's a big up, Armin Henrik Schwartz. Um, Earlier this week, attacks intensified again in Kiev and other cities across Ukraine as Russia's forces sought revenge following an explosion led to the partial collapse of the Crimea Bridge. Find out below the closer to the party. So, I actually want to see if we can actually see um, any videos of Closer to see if it's actually so we can see what's actually occurred in the actual club itself because that'd be actually interesting to see okay so i managed to find the closer instagram page account here with the geolocation of it so this is pretty good resource as well if you want to check you know updates on clubs and whatnot maybe if you want to just live update live update check or live check yeah live check something in terms of queues if you're going somewhere this is pretty handy as well you just got to find the. kind of geotag location post, click on the actual location and it will take you to this sort of page. It works better on the mobile, but you can, cause you, can still, you can see stories too that people tag. And that's obviously like a, a kind of live play-by-play because usually people upload stories when they're actually at the place. So you can actually see what it looks like. But this is pretty decent too, because it gives you an overview. All these are obviously the top posts. And then when you scroll down, you see the most recent one. So clearly it's open and ready to go. We've got this post here, this girl with a cigarette hanging out with her friends, I'm assuming so clearly you can see that you know people are back out in Kiev and trying to make it work under the flipping you know <laughs> under a hail with missiles which is bravery that I definitely don't have so pick up everybody over there that can do so here's a picture of some people dancing I guess mm-hmm. and it's called closer socks which is a pretty sick account well, it's just people's feet dancing at closer let's see the profile page yeah I guess it is nice mm-hmm. Just see pictures of people's feet mushing around side to side. And then he says for nine years anniversary that just went the other day. Or today. It's funny how much dancing you actually think you're doing when you're when you're in the nightclub, especially techno uh, nightclubs or electronic music nightclubs. And then when you actually look at you look back at yourself, you're not actually moving that much. You are just moving side to side and tapping your feet. But when you're there, you actually think you're flipping. You know, you're fucking James Brown reincarnated. <laughs> Absolutely nuts. Another one here says, "Hope it'll be ninety nine, ninety nine more years." Sounds good, people are having fun, I love it Love everything. and then some more posts here from the other day Looking like it was a live band or something playing there Oh is a C process, okay the other day It's just cool to see to be honest and The spirit of the Ukrainians is just crazy to be honest Considering everything that's happening so big up all of them, and there's another one as well. It looks like on outside or closer, right? So yeah, so big up everybody who's there, um, and still holding on and dancing and feeling the vibe and shit. You guys are way more brave than I would be. Um, I'd probably be inside crying every single day, <laughs> considering you know if I saw my country being absolutely shelled and invaded by a foreign power who kind of feels like they're flipping. You know, um, deserving of taking over parts of your country Just because I would definitely be, you know, in my bunker somewhere Not moving, but these guys have different type of minerals And obviously they're out there trying to make the best of such a dark time So I can only send my well wishes to people over there Stay strong in that and keep safe in it Everybody in Kiev, keep bloody safe Next on the list here, we have We're going to talk about let's talk about this. So there's been a rumour flying around the interwebs and places that I kind of, you know, stay on regarding Bergheim, my favorite club in the world, and people are alleging the rumor is that it's gonna be closed at the end of 2022. Now, to be fair, this is a constant rumor that happens, I think, every other couple of years, when, you know, before the pandemic was just a constant thing people used to always talk about, that it's gonna close, it's gonna close. And I think people were just kind of spreading rumor just because, you know, it was fun, to piss off And to Kind of get people Like myself Who are fans of Burger and all in the tizzy Because I think If you don't really Care about the club And then you hear people Kind of constantly Sort of like Wanking over it Talking about how Amazing it is And getting selected To go inside And once you're in there It's amazing The toilets The drugs The dark rooms the to- I guess if you don't Like it and you hear people talk about it often. A good way to kind of troll and to get on people's nerves is to kind of just throw out some unfounded rumors and um, hope that you can cause a little bit of a disturbance to get people, you know, knickers in the twist. And clearly, this has worked. Um, with a considerable level of success because it's been spread all over the place people have been getting absolutely frantic and crazy about it and by the looks of it it looks like it was a singular rumour started by one person who basically wanted to kind of cause a bit of division and I think he was kind of answering it sort of like an um, open, it was a like kind of an open ended question but I guess someone took away the question mark and then it kind of turned into whatever it's turned into. So this is uh, okay. So mixed, Max at Burghound's rumour to be closing by end of 2022. Oh and also on top of this, this people are getting tizzy too, it's because this is on the back of the news Regarding Oscott booking And obviously Oscott booking is what represents all the resident DJs In-house booking agency of Bergheim. So clearly if the booking agency is closing Some people would kind of surmise that That means that the whole business is closing But I said in my video regarding Oscar booking That I think this might have to do with Them maybe selling Bergheim to other owners To other people Maybe selling parts of it because I've read in places you know where people know more business than I do that when you want to sell you sometimes trim the fat so you maybe get rid of people in terms of redundancies and firings and you also maybe get rid of certain teams and kind of you know consolidate everything and make it as streamlined as possible so that when you're presenting it to potential investors there's not any extra fat that they can kind of that will maybe put them off on the deal you can kind of make it like hey here's what we do here's what we're about here's a and then go from that way anyway the article says as follows Bergen is rumored to be closing for good by the end of 2020. The famous Berlin institution has been open since 2004 has become the center of speculation following the closure of its in-house record label um, agency called Tun. Um, according to the Faze magazine, the final end of Bergen will come by the end of the year, per several inside sources of the club. The Bergen is closing forever. The final end will come this year, one source alleges leisures. One of the founders has already been paid out and is said to be staying in the countryside of Bradenburg. Uh, the others simply don't feel like it anymore and have other life plans in mind. Mind. which to be honest if you're just going to explore and just kind of entertain the rumor it doesn't sound too far-fetched as i've mentioned before like i was privy or i was lucky enough to go to um the burger and when um just before the pandemic so this must have been like february 2020 and i noticed it was obviously really you know quiet compared to other months because obviously people were scared of the pandemic but also it kind of was you know it didn't really feel as busy or as kind of frantic as it did when I went in at 2018 before that so clearly there was a bit of a downturn in it. and since I've been back there which I've come in a couple times this year I've definitely seen a change in the kind of overall people that go there and from the one thing you notice is that there's way more quote-unquote locals or regulars people that kind of you know go there all the time and live there but there's not a lot of tourists that would go there like people that would kind of just you know hop on a plane and go there for the, for a techno weekend have maybe decided just to stay at home or they don't want to get on planes anymore or just in general because we were, well, we, we, we lived under the flipping clouds of the pandemic for two and a half years some people just have developed other hobbies other interests so just, just gone into other things so it wouldn't surprise me if maybe an owner or somebody part of the ownership will, has also had the same sort of mindset maybe they're bored of clubs maybe all that whole time spend twiddling your thumbs you know idle minds you know can wonder and think about other things like i mentioned previous times like that article with one of the owners of um, what's that car called in munich things called blitz and he was basically saying hey even though he was happy that clubs were reopening to the time when the lockdowns or the restrictions were easing he was basically saying Um, he was still kind of pissed off and upset because he lost some of his best staff members and he said that those people were what made the club what they were and they've now there's no coming back I mean those guys have kind of and gals have basically moved on to other things and developed other hobbies, other interests some of them started families in the time of the pandemic like the amount of babies that were born during the pandemic is absolutely crazy also so um, I can understand or I can i can kind of picture or imagine a scenario where an owner could also be like you know what i'm fed up of having to field all these fucking and list this request and you know indulge these flipping ego driven djs especially if you're post pandemic and you're still seeing people with the same bad attitude they had prior you're like considering everything that's going on in the world you still think you're the center of attention all this sort of stuff so i can get why you can get disillusioned for sure um but it continues as Face Magazine adds that the venue would not uh, be taken over by a single by another nightlife an organization upon its closure. In this case, there are different concepts. For example, passing the club onto younger hands or selling it to another operator. Apparently, it's not desirable according to the source. Bergam's chapter should finally be closed with no further intent iterations of the club, and the venue would not continue to exist as an art location as it did during the pandemic. So, if it closes, it's just going to close, which I would prefer. To be fair, um, much like my um, love for like. You know um old school streetwear brands from like the 90s and early 2000s especially you know um ones that were founded in like tokyo or like parts of new york especially when that kind of stuff was popping up in and even brands here in london one of the things i love about that kind of era was that a lot of people a lot of those guys and girls would be anonymous So you wouldn't really know too much about them and about why they started the brand to just be out there. They put on these cool parties. They do these cool, you know, uh, flipping activation events around their clothes. They dress some of the coolest people out there and then they just stop it out of the blue. No more collections anymore. And then they'll start something else. And then you'd be able, if you were smart and you were kind of clued in, you could tell if that was the same person who was designing the brand that you liked before because the little design codes or little things little easter eggs they popped into their clothing and i just like when things just end in general same with tv series the worst thing you could do with a tv series is reboot it or give it a prequel because they're never good never ever good with the only example i can think that's kind of good was better call soul but for the most part prequels and sequels and reboots are usually terrible so when you just end things like the wire how it just ended sopranos it just ended mad men just ended you you just have brilliant tv that just stands alone that can go into the tv hall of fame um same thing goes for Engrenage, same thing goes for you know that german series they've got now called 44 blocks that i'm a fan of um same thing goes for Gomorrah, all these capping you know amazing shows look at narcos for instance narcos just get going on and on and now it's turned into fucking shit so if bergan does close and it's just done I, I wouldn't be opposed to it because you'd hold on to these amazing memories and then the other clubs around Berlin could also sort of like take that energy and kind of use it to kind of take their clubs to the next level, but none of this kind of reinvention sort of thing. It continues that this isn't the first time Rubens of Bergen closing has circulated in the music world, but after in house booking agency Oscott Bookings announced his closure last week, speculation has risen as to if this really is the end of the uh, Kreuzberg Bordering venue in eighteen year run. Oscott Bookings will be the final arm um, of the Bergen's Oscott brand to close with the Oscotton record label having closed the shop earlier this year after the release of its imprint anniversary funds in plus one. Bergen's first opened under the name Oscott in nineteen ninety eight. Later, gutted and redeveloped by the founders Michael, Tufel and Norbert Foreman into a techno club in 2004, the world famous club currently has 250 employees and a dozen residents. Wow, it. I don't know too. Many, I don't know they employ that many people. That's flipping mad, isn't it? Um, but obviously, this has been proven to be a. No one's supposed to be Let me say from my point of view I got some inside information From people Who I would not name Who contacted me privately Because of the times You know I speak about Burger And flipping suck them off and stuff I guess they knew That I was a fan of the club And they kind of wanted To set the record straight with me And I've been told that this is a rumor that's unfounded and it's not rooted in any truth whatsoever categorically I've been told this is not true I've been told Burkhan is not closing anytime soon so this whole idea that it's going to close at the end of the year with no announcement it's just going to close out of the blue and we're already in what October and we've had nothing it doesn't make any sense so I've been told categorically by people associated or linked or close to the people over there that it's categorically not true so if, if you take my word for anything then you can take it if you don't believe me don't believe me if you want to believe it believe it whatever it may be but obviously this rumor was started I believe by this guy here called um, Jürgen Lahman on Facebook actually who's a pretty prominent person um, within the Berlin you know dance to music scene um, if you're familiar with his name he's also one of the people behind the legendary legendary techno rave magazine uh, called Front Page um, if anybody has any old um, magazines of this because I've been trying to get a hold of these for ages but you know that I usually miss the auctions on eBay and stuff but if you have any old issues of front page that you want to get rid of please let me know i'll be grateful to kind of take them off your hands 100 percent um i think the funny thing is that um, front page and this other magazine called night were some of my references uh, night magazine What some of my references that i was kind of going for when i first wanted to start my own little fanzine thing or like a vizine in general about nightlife that was going to be called creeper which nowadays is probably the worst name considering all the things happening in the dance music scene around you know (laughs) um funny business on the dance floor and funny business in and around the club space with djs and punters and stuff so creeper's probably a bad name but back in the day i wanted creeper because back in the day you know i used to wear flipping brothel creepers at the club and shit so creeping through the night well that sort of Stuff, bit of an easy name to pull and one of my references or two of my references that I was kind of pulling from was this iconic magazine from the 70s and 80s called Night that went to pull through right um, that kind of depicted um, New York mainly, saw that night, nightlife and, you know, kind of Studio 54 kind of vibes. And then, of course, on the European tangent, you had Front Page and this sort of like techno rave acid sort of like thing that was going over and over there. And these are two more references that I was kind of helming on. So if anybody has any old issues of these, please let me know. I'll take them off your hands. But anyway, um, Jurgen Larmen here, courtesy of a Facebook translation, So as follows Finally, the weekend, the Bergen closer story and the interview in the groove has made quite a way and many friends, kind critics and some complete idiots have stepped up again with old known accusations and new charges. Therefore, I want to clarify here as follows. The mountain groove. No one. I Admittedly, this is again translation so it's pretty difficult to read it and think it makes sense. But let's see. I I admittedly posted the closure rumor with the question mark and the closing question. Does anyone know anything more accurate? Following this, there were a few calls with people who know more and I fixed it all in a few hours. So he basically said open-endedly, I guess, do we think it's closing? And then I guess because that article made a stir, other people reached out to him, came to the club and said, no, it's not true. And then he cleared it up, but, you know, journalists and stuff didn't want to, re- you know, update the story because already it was gaining traction. It probably got that site more clicks than it's ever got in a while, so I get it. Um, it continues. The fact that the FaZe magazine brings a report and the Berlin uh, newspaper, um, which referred to the FaZe magazine is interesting. No one talked to me directly build bs called me to whom the fb post was also played um i told him it was misinformation and they waived further reporting so he told them it was not true but they declined to update the issue because i guess they'll get all the clips they wanted two for the groove magazine here are once again well-known highlights in the reaction i have ridiculed the whole youth culture to the cigarette industry the cost of the deal okay this, i think it's something else yeah, it's not an issue, but essentially the guy basically says, hey, it's not true. The story is completely made up. I was obviously being a bit of a troll and just trying to, you know, cause a bit of division, cause a bit of, you know, a bit of a ruckus. And then he cleared it up immediately when he was kind of pressed on the issue, but they didn't bother to update the story. So clearly there's a bit of a, you know, a, a bit of an agenda there with the stuff going on. But that aside, that aside, that aside... Have you guys seen the flipping lineup for today? As you know, I was just speaking for today. Um, what is it? The fucking 15th of October. Absolutely insane. I just checked it out. I just quickly scanned it. And the ending of Panorama bar is absolutely nuts, right? Don't you think so? Um, either, either way, but let's start maybe from Octo Octa to kind of set the mood. You've you've got Octo Octa playing at 4 p.m. in Panorama bar on the Sunday. Then you've got Royce and Murphy playing a live set which is going to be sick. I'm not sure if she's going to be just behind the deck singing or if she's going to be standing on some plimps or she's going to be in the middle of the dance floor. I don't know how that works at Panorama when you're performing live. I guess she's going to be behind the decks because that's kind of technically the stage and you have a DJ just playing your set. So I love Royce Murphy. She has some incredibly good um, dance music adjacent tracks and remixes too. Um, and then you've got N... Um, Baume- Baumecker, Baumecker, and Baumecker, sorry. Who I'm a big fan of, and someone who doesn't get enough of the ratings, I feel like. And he's really nice, too. I've spoken to him a couple of times. When I've been in Baumecker. Panorama Bar kind of just said hey I have enjoyed your set and he's kind of really personal even though I say you shouldn't speak to DJs the, the times I've kind of bumped into him and said hi I've enjoyed your set he's always been really pleasant so I really recommend checking him out but in, apart from that he's a really good DJ um, definitely a Panorama favourite and of course Roy Perez who i am always been a bit of a fanboy of ever since I saw him play back to back with DJ um, Dr. Rubenstein um, in Colour Factory a while ago when it was called Mix Garage but that is a pretty sick back to back list of people playing in it right Octa- Doctor, Royce Murphy and Buckheimer and then Roy Perez all playing from that time all the way to a close and then in the main room you've got this you've got Rudd had closing Berghain on that so if you're over there right now this is probably one of the best sets that you could ever see especially if the rumours are going to be true that it's going to be closed which it isn't going to be closed but that's a pretty sick lineup, man um, so it's pretty hard for me to picture a place that books people of this kind of calibre and has probably queues out of the wazoo is going to suddenly going to be closing I don't really see that happening let's actually check the queue and see what the situation is saying live here on the actual page let's go to Berghain Live, which is the main account that everyone should be going to if you are going to be checking out for flipping queue updates, is here. Can you see that? There, that one there, this account here called Burger and Live. If you're not familiar with the account, you should get familiar with it. The person that runs this is pretty good at updating the Instagram story so you can see what's going on. Is it updating there? Oh, no update regarding it, so we can't really see if people are there in the queue yet. But I think if I also go on my phone, I could probably check it out and maybe show you some evidence that people are actually there and having an absolute whale of a good time. Let me see if I can get this off from the screen first, or my phone. And then I can do the flipping location thing because there are people on here who kind of sometimes upload pictures and stare at fucking Instagram stories of them at location. As you can see, you can kind of see here, where the ring on the location when you press it, it kind of has a ring around there. So you can kind of click the ring location, it will show you who's actually there. Let's see here Loads of people, see, currently outside Hanging, having a good Yep, it's popping off People tagging themselves in there So, it's a pretty cool way to kind of see What the vibe is saying What's this person saying? Uh, NY bar, muscle night, okay cool The weak ones, people are going there still As you can see that's a cheeky video, isn't it? Recording on the inside. Maybe it's an exhibition there, probably. More exhibition pictures and videos. And more people queuing kind of outside. Yeah, the queue's meaty, isn't it? Oof. Longest queue, This is like two hours ago. That was a that's a pretty meaty queue Actually, let me make sure I screenshot that because that looks like a nice, meaty, cute picture for another time for a thumbnail. But yeah, so the final um, story behind that is that it's not closing anytime soon. Don't believe the rumours. It's all fake. Um, I've been told that categorically myself. And of course, the person who spread the rumour himself has been told that is fake too, because people are basically him right, so it's not true. Don't believe the rumors, don't believe the hype. Go to the place if you want to. Don't go if you don't want to. Maybe is isn't worth the queue if you don't want to go to. And, you know, it's what it is kind of thing. I think the discourse around it is a bit boring, to be honest. I know I started myself and I spoke about it myself, but I think the discourse around it can get a little bit tiring. It's just a club. It's not that big of a deal, really. It's just a bloody club. Anyway, let's move on from that what we want to talk about here let's go into yes go into this so as most of you are aware i'm a big big proponent of streetwear and a big supporter of it and somebody who kind of credits streetwear with kind of giving me everything that i have now in my career in my life in terms of my interests, in terms of my career choices in terms of my friends and everything in terms of place i go on holiday it's been one of the greatest things in my life in general so i'm always going to be fighting for streetwear always going to be backing it always going to be sort of like waving the flag and for whatever reason it feels like nowadays that's not necessarily a thing that people want to stand behind or stamp um, we've seen a lot of kind of prominent designers usually who have come from the streetwear f- industry or streetwear scene or streetwear field who have now gone on to, you know, be the head of big houses or have gone on to have other fashion jobs. And they've kind of gone out of their way to really push away any tags or label of streetwear against them because they want to be deemed to be, you know, a little bit higher up in quality, maybe be associated with something that maybe... Uh, maybe sort of uh, conjures up thoughts of kind of artisan qualities and skills, or whatever it may be. And I just personally think it's more so um, at admission. It's more so kind of lining up to the I think overall industry thing where. The industry kind of Overall the fashion industry For for the most part I feel like Shun streetwear Because they don't Necessarily want to see A lot of black and brown Faces at these shows Um, You can credit it With maybe Kanye West And Virgil And everybody else And don't see all those guys Arriving at Paris Fashion Week You know looking How they looked With that iconic picture Or you can credit it With you know The Supreme and Louis Vuitton Collaboration But I feel like Ever since those moments Happened And there's clearly Been a kind of change In what you see And who represents who's represented who's represented, and what's representative of the Paris fashion scene in terms of the black and brown faces that it's quite evident that a lot of the old guard don't like what they see there especially when you think of the showroom scene that you don't necessarily see a lot in terms of um, press around it but a lot of the menswear sort of like um, streetwear kind of uh, buying and showroom culture thing has shifted all over to Paris. Like all the stuff that used to happen in like places like Agenda and places like, um, what was that one that used to happen in Germany? Um, be something I forgot but there were these kind of trade shows that used to occur where loads of buyers and brands and stuff would go to these trade shows to go and find and scout and new brands and new accounts they've now all switched over and come and do that stuff over a kind of um menswear Paris Fashion Week or sometimes women's wear Paris Fashion Week. So all that stuff happens all often so you can just imagine the overall landscape of that city changes around Fashion Week. There's different faces, different voices, different looks, different cultures and stuff. So if you're somebody that's kind of really um, a fan of how classist and racist, um, you know, Paris fashion, Paris fashion industry can be. It may be a bit of a shock to the system to see people like myself up there leading the charge. And Of course, people like Virgil when he's at Louis Vuitton doing the thing that he was doing, clearly I think upset some people and obviously Kanye doing what he's doing upset people. So sometimes when I see these streetwear designers who go into fashion shun the streetwear tag, it feels a bit like a blow, you know, it feels like kicking the balls because essentially those very same people are shunning streetwear because it's like a dog whistle to them because for them anyway um, to kind of get rid of the black and browns and then you're also kind of co-signing it's a bit lame but all that to say um, I am happy to see that um, Bali Bali or how do you pronounce it Bali let's say Bali yes just say Bali Bali um, a very prestigious and sort of like long-standing house with what 150 plus here year, year history from Switzerland, has basically decided to um, lend or to kind of take uh, to to kind of give control over to Rugi Villasenor, Villasenor, Villasenor I always get his name wrong. Rugi Villasenor, who obviously most of you are known for the brand Rude, which I would say is quintessentially streetwear. I don't think you make you know a bandana T-shirt and a T-shirt with a flipping you know flip of a cigarette box and not have it be streetwear. It's impossible Um, with everything else that he was doing. But, you know, maybe he would say it was more mental and that was kind of a starting point, but whatever. I do think it's kind of rooted the streetwear. And regardless, he's kind of a young brand, um, quite a young guy himself. So to currently go from what he was doing to suddenly going to lead, um, you know, a house like Bali, um, considering how they've been kind of faltering and considering their lack of relevancy in the fashion industry overall, it's a hell of a big job, but also goes to show just how important the streetwear voices are out there and just how much of a splash streetwear and that kind of independent DIY do-it-yourself one-man band operation thing has gone and the influence is kind of given to people and how many people out there are actually looking do you know what I mean there are brands out there legitimately looking and kind of scouring for talent to kind of lead them into a new era of what they're currently trying to do and as a debut go as debuts go for the spring 2023 collection, I thought he did a pretty decent job in terms of just giving it a bit of a refresh Um, presenting some interesting pieces some nice accessories here and there a nice diverse cast of people who I guess a lot of people maybe identify with in terms of the brand and just some nice little decent codes that people can kind of extend with and kind of take on a bit of a journey and maybe kind of keep an eye out for in other collections going forward Um, you know first collections are always really difficult because you don't really want to go too crazy you want to kind of especially if you're taking over a house you kind of want to maybe follow in the footsteps of what came or the history within that brand but you also want to make sure people are aware that this is a new direction you're taking but you don't want to alienate the existing client base that exists there but you want to slowly but surely get your new fresh faces also to kind of be there and kind of be aligned with it and from what I saw overlooking the entire collection like from the tailoring to some of the women's wear to the, to the colour palette to the cuts in general to some of the fabrications I'm a really big fan of it I thought it was a really stellar stellar collection and if anything this is proof overall that if you have an established house and you give the controls to somebody who's creative, but also somebody who can kind of work well within a team, you can produce some magic because these guys, as a house, have everything that he needs in terms of production, everything he needs in terms of pattern fact, pattern cutting, and all that sort of stuff, and you know the artisanal stuff and whatever else that needs to be done in terms of crafting these things together. And all you need to do as a designer really is kind of do the whole Karl Lagerfeld thing, you know, scribble something on a bit of paper and interpret it over to your seamstress and get them to kind of, you know, mock something up. Essentially, that's what you could do with these places that the resources are so crazy. So it basically turns into a playground for somebody who basically, you know, I'd imagine, um, Rugi probably was sitting down in his room You know cutting up t-shirts Writing drawing graphics himself Sending them over to flipping printing factories Going to go pick up the samples Maybe print screening his own t-shirts Maybe pattern cutting and doing cutting So for his own jackets and shit So to suddenly go from that and then suddenly you got a team of people who are just going to be Focusing on buttons Going to be focusing on the length of a flipping sleeve And you know Stitching and shit It probably makes it so much easier for you I mean it's probably like the lightest of work when you kind of have a team that can do that for you so it's no surprise that this first collection was so stellar and such a strong debut and also it's no surprise given everyone else that came before him that he was able to maybe learn the lessons of, learn the successes and the failures of maybe his other peers in terms of Virgil, in terms of Justin O'Shea in the short period of time that he was doing his thing, in terms of um, Matthew Williams, in terms of what the successes and the bad things Flipping flipping Ricard she's done at Burberry and it's also it's no surprising that he's kind of presented such a stellar and strong collection going forward. I don't think as any surprise and if anything this makes me super excited to see what goes on forward um, going forward with him um, over there at Bali and obviously you can see here look 26 is maybe one of my favourites I'm, I'm, I'm a sucker for a double breasted suit to be fair and the fact that they've styled it this way and had the model put two hands in his pockets with the front of that suit sort of poking out in a kind of bell bottomy type wide shape makes me think maybe it's actually cut like that so that looks pretty sick I'm not I'm not gonna lie Um, This pyjama, sort of like silk set, is absolutely amazing, there's some great stuff, everything looks like it fits really well, the colours are supreme, the model choices are excellent, great, great casting to be fair, and overall, um, it's really, what's that word called that they like like to use in fashion, it's really, um, what's that word called? when you desire something um, I forgot Anyway You know what I'm talking about This pine green suit Is fucking beautiful I actually went to wear Something like this To a wedding But I didn't end up Getting the right one But this is incredible This pine green Forest green Olive green Whatever green That you call that Even these two shades Of green are really nice actually um, You're getting A lot of Sort of natural hints And then The sparkle Here to hit it off Like those two looks Back to back And then this coming out After the fact It's just brilliant With this kind of Gold number it's absolutely beautiful, really, isn't it? really, really, really beautiful. Even how the photographer's got the walks, the cat catwalk, like a legit catwalk. Look at that, those legs crossing over like that. It's absolutely incredible. I'm a big fan of everything in his collection. Really, really well done. And I also like the fact that, maybe this is a weird thing to say, but I like the fact that he didn't use any celebrities in the runway. I can't be, especially with these streetwear guys, they do this a lot where they have musicians who they listen to. I don't know, having future walk down the runway. It's a bit naff, personally, to me. I'd much rather to hear a future soundtrack, maybe a track he produced specifically for the show, right? That would make more sense. Or maybe him doing a live performance like Playboy Kyrie Rain. I don't know what show he was doing where he was performing, um, running down the runway, but to see models. artists you know as models I don't really like because I'm not I mean I just think it's a bit naff get actual models to model your show and make it look amazing and then have the soundtrack be whatever artist you want so I'm I'm glad he didn't really go for that and just opted for actual legit you know bona fide models to kind of walk down the runway um it kind of gives a bit of a uniformity. um kind of just makes it really feel like it's like kind of make it feel somewhat regular like he's been there a million years already. Right? I mean, that's what it kind of feels like. It feels like he's just, you know, he kind of, it fit like an absolute glove, this kind of his relationship um, with this house. So that looks really, really awesome. But the interesting part of it, number one, I thought was this article here, um, courtesy of um, GQ. I thought this was hilarious. Um, especially when I sort of talk about the whole idea where I think like a lot of these people, him included, I think as he made a comment on the article with Vanessa Friedman, how he basically didn't like the term streetwear and thought that it kind of didn't represent him well. And it was sort of like a thing that kind of essentially kind of was a a way to sort of like talk down upon him and what he does and bloody blah, 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 blah. But it was funny to see in this article that he also mentioned it again, how he doesn't like the term streetwear and thinks he does more than that. But in this GQ article, the person who they spoke to from Bali or Bally, however you fucking pronounce it, um, basically said the reason why they identified him as somebody who could succeed at the house was because he was a disruptor, somebody that does something different, and also because of his ability to kind of balance between contemporary, I think, menswear and streetwear. That's essentially what they said. So they identified him as streetwear, but he doesn't find himself as streetwear, even though they... Uh, basically gave him the job because he does streetwear and he can do the formal sort of like menswear type stuff. I'm gonna actually get the quote here so you can actually read that. I thought it was absolutely hilarious. It says here, um, not that you respect a designer Frequently filed under the category of streetwear A term whose second-rate fashion connotations He explains can carry racist undertones It's about audience, he frowns At one point, Ru- Ruigi was I you, or was it Ruigi? Ru- Ruigi shows me pictures of some new inspirations And European road signs spotted in He just travels, he says If I make streetwear, I'm going to make what you see on the street Which, you know, well I get it, whatever But the funny thing I say about this is that In my opinion Opinion. again it's all opinions in my opinion I think when people say especially if journalists like Vanessa Friedman say oh the return of tailoring and whatnot and people say they don't want to see streetwear in the fashion industry or they don't want to see jeans on a runway or hoodies to me I feel like those are dog whistles those are like people who don't you know don't have balls to say what they actually think where they actually don't want black and brown people on the runway. Like, it's too many blacks, it's too urban, um, there's too many trainers, which I think, again, is dog whistles, um, maybe too much hip hop, but the, the, the soundtrack was too loud, not a DJ, have action score, all these things that kind of harken back to traditional. Um, classist sort of views of what fashion, should, fashion shows should be like. It shouldn't be like a, like a performance. It shouldn't be all out there and stuff. It should just be about the clothes and about proper models, a particular kind of look, and everyone has to be skinny. Everyone has to look a certain way, bloody, blah, 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 blah. I think for me, those are dog whistles to the teeth. So the fact that he thinks streetwear is a way to kind of make him feel less than and has racist connotations, I also think them saying to you, um, that they don't want Red Street is also racist. Yeah? I mean, it's a double, it's a double-edged sword in that way. But then obviously the person that runs it or that was kind of responsible for getting him there, who's this person here, it's quite I thought it hilarious. Um, it's hilarious. I'm at the top of it. It says, but why would the heritage brand turn to an independent LA startup designed to guide his future? Because he's different, says Nicholas Girotto, the CEO of Borli, who frequently pushed for the hiring of Ryugi. So one person in that company who maybe stumbled across his brand, maybe saw it in a flipping department store, maybe likes it as a brand overall, followed his journey, was fighting for him on the inside because of his streetwear roots. It says follows who had already shaken things up with his company by choosing sustainability commitments and an overdue e-commerce push after his appointment in 2019. He said Ruigi was one of our or was on our map for what he was doing with his own brand, but also for his balance of contemporary streetwear and luxury sensibilities. Right there in fucking HD so the same thing that he thinks is racist is the reason why he's hired which must be a bit of a bitter pill to swallow in that regard because you know they're hiring you because you're different what does that mean does that mean they're hiring you because you're not white and they're also hiring you because you do streetwear and luxury sensibility stuff menswear really well is what it is. When he started, the designer spent hours integrating values um, about his craft growth. I said, In choosing the create director for a 170 year brand, I want the person who would disrupt. And we also, Ruigi, is a possibility to bring the brand in a new direction. He's someone who has a direct dialogue with his audience, and through his dialogue, he gets a good sense of where his society is going. But yeah, the the, the shoot, the, the, the cover story itself is really good. Or the cover, or the feature story itself is really good. I really recommend you check it out. He's dressed to the ninth. He looks really incredible. And then you also find out that he's a flipping single. Dad with three kids Super powerful Filipino energy In that regards But you know He seems like a Super young dude With three kids And he's single And he's flipping Running but um, Rude, he's running the brand thing. He's got the collaboration he does with Zara. Then he's got obviously the the y thing. Like this guy is absolutely working like an absolute animal, do you know what I mean? Really, really amazing work ethic. Um, Clearly somebody incredibly smart. And actually the, ish, the funny thing is about this is that I actually spoke to him once. Uh, we met very, very briefly, maybe it was Paris Fashion Week, I think, around the time that I was kind of um, helping to co-produce the streetwear course that I was doing with Virgil, who was kind of the, the lead curator of that thing. And I kind of, you know, had him down as somebody that I thought would be a good um, kind of mentor to have on a program. Maybe he could kind of offer advice to some up and coming brands and kind of just speak upon certain things and just be somebody that we can maybe use as a resource. And I kind of pitched it to him and, he kind of big time me, I think, when I spoke to him. Like, he kind of like, yeah, yeah, we'll talk about something, whatever it may be. But he was really nice and kind of courteous and kind of gentle about it, or whatever it may be, and polite. But I basically got big time and basically got knowed. It may have to do with he didn't want to be associated with Virgil. Maybe he had to do because he didn't want to move it, things around. I don't know what the, what the thing was. But since then, and seeing him... Be around the likes of what's his name, Swiss Beats and Jay Z and shit and all this stuff, and he's around other big head people. I think there's a picture of him with flipping Jack Dorsey from Twitter and all that shit. Clearly, he's somebody who's very good at being um, a people person. He's very good at politicking, very good at moving around the industry and navigating because you know he's for, for somebody who basically makes what he makes. He's kind of elevated his kind of stature just on how he kind of carries himself. So it's no surprise that he was very hesitant about getting involved in something that I was proposing like that online streetwear program because he wasn't, you know, he's never really been comfortable, I guess, with the whole streetwear thing anyway from minute one, considering what he's saying. So maybe that was part of his reason. But I also kind of want to make a point about how important it is to be really kind of laser focused and kind of clear on what you want to do and what you want to represent even when you start because you never know what those little things could end up those little seeds could end up kind of growing into later on down the line you know because you, you know you can end up getting behind one thing just because you wanted to get behind at the time and then suddenly you can't shake it So maybe that was part of the whole reason why he was very kind of like intense. He had like kind of a long, long, long long-term plan. Like he kind of of reminds me of uh, Samuel Ross in that regard. Um, They're very kind of strategic, very long-term thinking. It's bigger than what they're doing now. Um, It's something that they kind of want to pass on to others, something they want to inspire others to go and do and see. Um, Because if you're kind of, if you're a Filipino person coming up and you see someone like him doing what he's doing and smashing it on this level, it's impossible not to feel inspired and feel like you can do it too. Especially when you read about his humble upbringings Whatnot. so clearly he's doing good things and doing amazing things like I said I'm really impressed to see what he's doing there so far as collection one um, over there at Bali considering what they had prior it's fresh it's new um, it's kind of reawoken the brand a little bit and again they're showing this if I'm not mistaken at Milan Fashion Week which is generally meant to be one of the worst fashion weeks out there in terms of overall quality and newness and freshness and the fact that they've got him out there doing what he's doing I think is great um, you know it's gonna bring some freshness to it he's gonna have some interesting people sitting on front row cool interviews nice after parties just to kind of reinvigorate the city a little bit on the back of obviously some cool up-and-coming young designers too but it's nice to have an established person out there doing some cool things and obviously there at the end he's dressed to the ninth looking absolutely amazing with the flipping Chelsea boots on and a suit that looks like it's it's legitimately printed onto his body how can fucking tell it is so big up him big up him big up big up him moving on from that Wanting to talk about the main thing here, which is this. Have you guys seen this? Yeah, this is a thing. So um, Connie was spotted outside of what? The premiere for Candice Owen's documentary about Black Lives Matter. I haven't actually watched it. I want to probably peep it. I'll probably do a little Patreon episode for it when I review it. So keep an eye out for it if you want that kind of thing. And, um, you know, Black Lives Matter thing, exposing how it's a sham of a charity. It just is what it is. I would, I would rather no what are other to see i get it because all charities are basically corrupt or you know are run by people who are essentially crooks and siphoning away money because it's just so easy to do um even if you're well intentioned the temptation could be too hard to turn down i understand it but i think the onus and the kind of fervor that kind of service is kind of going that would is a little bit excessive we know the charity is bump but I think the movement is still something worth kind of getting behind and maybe trying to change the narrative of or whatnot but maybe they think it's already corrupt and it's already gone too much down the ideological route I don't know who cares but regardless um, Kanye was spotted outside that premiere and he was asked by TMZ to basically clarify his anti- um, semi <laughs> views that he had um, That he kind of shared on, on, on Twitter I think Which essentially got him um, Timed out from Instagram and Twitter For a prolonged period of time I'm not sure how long He hasn't logged back in yet since then I don't think to post any new tweets But he basically clarified what you're saying And this is, I think Again, I'm somebody who said I can separate the art from the artist I'm still going to buy Yeezys I'm still going to go to his concerts I'm still going to enjoy his music And buy the clothes when I can get my hands on them but one of the things that's annoyed me as a kind of lifelong Kanye fan has always been this thing where his stands will always try and interpret what he says. Like, oh no, Kanye said this, but what he actually meant was this. I hate that thing. I hate that he can't just articulate himself clearly the way he wants to. Oh no, he can't articulate himself clear enough. That people don't have to interpret or translate what he says. Um, I don't like it because sometimes I feel like he says something fucked up, then his fans translate it in layman's terms or try to make it um, palatable. Then he cottons onto what they're saying and just rabbits it because it sounds good now and it kind of sounds accepted. And I don't like it. I think no, just stand on what you say. And if that's the hero you want to die on, this the hero you want to die on. But clearly, even though he has a bit of a God complex, even though he thinks he can do whatever the hell he wants and no one is ever gonna quote unquote punish him for it, he's still kind of wary enough and worried enough not to kind of go too far. So he kind of walks back stuff, says stuff, deletes least all that sort of stuff I don't like. It's a big it's a big turn off for me. Um, but So this is him outside of it, um, obviously trying to explain away the situation, try and make it make sense. What do you think of the film, Kanye? Oh yeah. yeah that's the only you get? Oh no! Uh, do, do, do you regret saying the, your comments about Jewish people this week as well? Is that something you uh, triggered some controversy with your, your comments? Do you think that the comment came just out of the blue? Or do you think there was a reason why I, I felt... I presume there's a reason, so why, why you said what you said? Do you, do you wish harm on Jewish people? No, no way. But I do feel that in Hollywood, with, especially with black entertainers, I've had a lot of bad experiences.
1: And if people use that anti Semite idea to cover up bad
0: business, to say, hey, if you call somebody out on bad business, that means you're being anti Semitic. So I feel happy to have crossed the line. No, but mate, you were being anti-Semitic when you said you're going to go DEFCON free on Jews. This is the thing I don't like about a guy. He says one thing, doesn't say it the right way, and then tries to walk it back or try to make sense of it. And it doesn't make any sense anyway. This is probably the consequences of not reading, right? The fact that he which is funny, pun intended there, right? Cons, consequence, whatever. But him going around basically boasting that he doesn't read, which is kind of like him tumble bragging, saying, hey, look how amazing I am, look how rich I am, look how successful I am, look how culturally relevant I am, yet yeah, I don't read a single book. But I think the reason the reason why you're seeing him struggle With articulating himself Maybe there's obviously some Other mental health issues People are kind of trying to hypothesise about Which I don't believe Especially after watching that Flipping Yeezys documentary I just think he chooses to be an arsehole I don't think he, there is any You know, serious mental health issues That would make him into be whatever he may be He might be on the spectrum Whatever maybe, be But in terms of suffering from what They're suffering from this and that I don't believe it I just think he chooses to You know, he chooses violence When he chooses violence But you can't say what he says what he said, obviously, in his, in his tweet about DefCon free on Jews, and then say that was him trying to say that was his reaction to something else happening behind the scenes, which some people are hypothesizing because there's an article going around that says he was um, his cha- his JP Morgan Chase a Chase bank account was due to be closed. Um, before he made whatever remarks he made about the Jews. So clearly there was an issue going on behind the scenes with him and JP Morgan that would lead to what it led to. It might have to do with him basically attacking, if I remember, one of the board members of Adidas, who was, I think, also a board member at JP Morgan. Maybe that was the kind of final straw and they kind of decided to end it there. But it had nothing to do with his actual anti-Semite views, which might be true and not true. We don't know. But if that's the case and he was kind of reacting... You know, in his own way, to stuff happening in his personal life, he should have prefaced that t- tweet with like, "I'm about to go def in his Jews because these guys want to play my money." Why are you closing my account? Add some content to it, but he didn't. He purposely said what he said to kind of cause a reaction to get people to you know react to it or to get wild out. And then when he gets kind of asked about it and pressed about it, he then suddenly plays victim. It's just annoying. That's the thing I've always kind of detested about the dude. And it's so funny because it's something that you see the Kardashians do often, also you know boss bitch um you know whatever it may be hustling working hard and the moment you push them and suddenly they're the victims it's like come on man you can't be bullying victim you have to choose one in my opinion of that idea so we can speak openly about you know things like getting canceled from the bank a lot of this stuff for me is the richest black man in american history that put 140 million dollars did he? Does a lorry truck walk, 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 walk driving by? Did he think someone was going to drive by and shoot him? Or do you think he was pissed off about the noise of the truck? Because he looked very spooked out when he saw that car driving by. Right? These eyes were darting all over the place. Like he thought, oh, this is the end, right? Do you think that was the case? Or do you think he just was kind of annoyed of the truck walking by and kind of driving by, sorry, while she was giving an interview. I'm not really too sure, but I thought that was absolutely hilarious. And like I said before, that's one of the main things that kind of turns me off about the guy as a person, this kind of inability to articulate himself and to kind of be clear in his points and his reasoning. Because I guess the reason why he can't do it is because there's no real thought behind it. He just says what he says off the cuff. It's not really rude in any kind of... um uh, it's not really rooted in anything right he's not been thinking or meditating on the issue long enough he's not been doing some readings on it he's not been kind of reacting to somebody else saying something and maybe having an opposing view and then trying to um support that with evidence with other things that he's kind of seen it's just something he kind of feels because that's the thing he's big on feelings 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 right gut 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 um and i guess that's why he's where he's at, at the moment isn't it and maybe it's for the best maybe for the wrong who knows Then leading on and kind of ending, which I thought was absolutely hilarious and kind of horrible at the same time. As most of you know, Kanye's got this beef going on at the moment um, with Tremaine Emery, who is the creative director of Supreme and also has his own brand called Denim Tears. And the beef, I guess, started because Kanye went at that girl called Gabriella or well, Gabrielle or Gabby her, I, I'll just refer to her as Gabby who is a stylist and a fashion director I think for Vogue magazine and unfairly Kanye basically attacked her and ripped her to pieces and kind of started to take the piss out of her flipping high heel Dr. Martin boots and kind of in a way also taking the piss out of her being fat like I felt like the Dr. Martin or the kind of the Timberland boots were just a way to say hey you got horrible style you got shitty horrible shoes I'm sure Anna Wintour doesn't like and you're fat how can you criticise me my fashion I think that's what you're basically going at you're fat and ugly kind of thing but obviously her being a black woman, a prominent black woman, a lot of people that kind of have rate and look look at well, and obviously her being one of the, you know, a small group of people in fashion who work for such an establishment like Vogue and who are also black. It just didn't look good optically, right? Him basically attacking a black woman and doing what he did. And just forget her being a black woman, just decency. The lady didn't even say nothing that crazy about his shirt. She saw the White Lives Matter shirt and kind of was right considerate about everything. She shared text messages with somebody she was speaking to and they were kind of going over it and being very considerate, um, speaking about it in a sort of intellectual, um, you know, sociology kind of way. And it really seemed, I felt, good well intention. Like, hey, we don't, you know, we know you think it's art, but this sucks kind of premise. And for whatever reason, this man decided to kind of go and attack them attack her specifically and then that's what made Tremaine kind of say hey enough is enough you're not going to attack my friend and he basically you know spilled all the tea and let us know that hey behind the scenes no one actually likes you like that um to the point where Virgil didn't invite him to the private funeral or didn't let him speak at the public funeral and I think since then um for once Someone pulled Kanye's card Because he definitely Does that a lot right He's the one that Too quick to share The text messages And say stuff like There's no such thing As a private conversation But I think the fact That Tremaine jumped out The window And pulled his card And exposed something That only people Behind the scenes Or in the social group Know about him Not being invited To the wedding To the sorry To the funeral And that clearly There was a lot of tension Behind the scenes With him and Virgil Even you know Towards you know The end of his life It just made him Look really funny in terms of Kanye makes him look really really funny and horrible in the light even to someone like myself who's a big fan of him and I think personally that cut a lot deeper than Kanye is trying to basically lay it out to be which is why he's going so hard at Tremaine because he's somebody that you know you can't say Tremaine's lying you can't say he's cloud chasing either because he's never kind of been that guy and he was somebody that was obviously very close to Kanye he worked very closely with him at Yeezy um I don't think he was Done the Times was working I think it was most of A Yeezy thing Because I remember him Wearing Yeezy shoes a lot Um, He clearly has got His own thing going on He operates in A different sort of Maybe social groups And whatever maybe it is um, And just kind of Just the way he carries himself You wouldn't necessarily Think he was somebody That would want to Clash his off the back of it so the fact that he said what he said and the fact that he was so close to Virgil would lead people to believe that that was true. And the fact that Kanye has not really addressed any of those points, that thing he set out or the questions he opened questions about why weren't you invited to the private funeral and why weren't you allowed to talk. It's clear to see that it cut deep with Kanye and he didn't like it, especially because it exposed the truth in it, that he is a piece of shit behind the scenes. Um, He's a piece of shit to his friends He's a piece of shit to his colleagues A piece of shit to his employees at times And he has that tendency to do that And because he is who he is And he's so influential And he's so amazing And so talented People just excuse it But I guess some of his group of friends Didn't excuse it Which I'm happy to see Because I've said for the longest time Even as a friend of his I think his friends have enabled him throughout the years um, and just kind of excused his horrible behavior because he's an absolute genius when it comes to music, when it comes to fashion, when it comes to sneakers. But I guess like at this point in time, considering everything that's going on in the world, people are like enoughs enough, you know, no amount of shoes, no amount of clothes can kind of excuse bad behavior, bad intentions and all that malarkey. So off the back of that, Kanye has been going hard and basically labeled, you know, Tremaine by his new name now that he's given him, which is called Tremendous, and he's basically alleged that he is a BLM officer for Supreme, and he also. Decided I think sometime during the beginning of the week or maybe last week um, somebody online basically shared a tweet that basically showed that he copyrighted and trademarked a few flipping words and sayings and one of them being tremendous and now he went even a step further by making a t-shirt out of it which is absolutely hilarious but also super infuriating if you're probably Tremaine. And if it was me, it would be something that I would definitely say would be a green light to say, hey, we have to throw hands, we have to get down, we have to fight, because this has gone too far. You're now taking the piss on another level. So this is Curse Your Over Under. It says, Kanye West will be on Drink Champs today at 9pm. He wore a new Tremendous shirt designed, oh sorry, inspired by Supreme's Spring Summer 14 40 Deuces t-shirt, made by Fade, directed by Ian Connor. The funny thing is, this original design by Supreme, um, that was put out in 2014 and designed by this artist called Fade, he's actually the same person that designed this flip so he designed a flip that features Tremaine's face on it instead of this kind of um, chucky clown figure that whatever it may be and it's got the same basically body and everything else with a knife in the hand and then it's got um, the, the, the T instead so of the S on the on the chain and then it's got Tremaine's face on there as well done pretty well in terms of a face on the actual t-shirt so it's an actual brilliant idea um, especially something that Ian Connor kind of creative directed behind the scenes with uh, flipping Kanye West but like I said if this was me this would be a point um to really kind of throw hands and as whack 100 says get down um no way you can be making a mockery of me like this on social media this is just too much in my opinion it really does feel like it's too much Kanye out here with this t-shirt rocking it proudly and going to be selling it and i also if i'm not mistaken i saw a tremendous box logo t-shirt too um with the actual proper embroidered box logo with a nice hoodie. I think the hoodie was like navy and the box logo was red and white so the classic Supreme Box logo flipped done that way. And there's another flip too that um, um Ian Connor's kinda directed which is something that I am familiar with. It says Nori previews a new Mohammed Alivi Superman t shirt with Kanye west's Ali and Tremaine Ora Superman. The T was designed by Ian Connor and inspired by Supreme Shirt at least in two thousand it's funny because I designed something similar like this back in the day when I used to go to church and shit. I was working with some dude i'm still friends with now and he wanted us to do a t-shirt line and i kind of was going on to flip this tee and design it with some different faces i've got what we were planning with him but when i did my other one outside of this i designed one with chris brown and drake when they were going through their um, beef with their beef that they were having because of rihanna right because they were both kind of dating rihanna at the time or whatnot or back to back and i remember designing this t-shirt with um with uh, Chris Brown being Ali and Drake being Superman. That's what I kind of designed it as. And I had to kind of just flip on this kind of thing. Um, same sort of thing. So it's funny that they're doing the second same thing. And of course in the t-shirt, you've got uh, Ali or Azizi um, of uh, the Ali thing. And he's got the boots on as well, and the Tremaine thing with the dreads in the face. Like it's pretty well done, I'm not going to lie. They've done a really good job of it. And Nori's wearing it, with proud and stuff. And it's become a shirt that they're taking the piss out of him for. Um, it's pretty iconic, I'm not going to lie. Um, and again that's a real staple a real kind of archive kind of supreme t-shirt i think inspired by like an old dc comics magazine cover featuring mamid ali and supreme uh superman Sorrow on the cover as well but like i said this is um incredibly rude incredibly jokes aside and ha ha he he's aside it's incredibly 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 rude and clearly goes to show that despite whatever history tremaine and kanye have just because he dared to kind of air him out in the same way Kanye airs out other people and speak his truth and stand up for his friend in Gabby, Now, Bernabeski Kanye is kind of, you know, declared Defcon free on Flipping Tremaine in terms of trying to make him look dumb in trying to maybe ridicule him in public and just not be somebody that you'd describe as a friend didn't it because if you're a friend and you're going for a spat you maybe could decide to maybe pick up the phone call so pick up the phone make a call um, talk through your issues whatever it may be meet up in person but the fact that he's doing what he's doing now just I think goes to prove that deep Dan Carney's is not a decent person you know I love him as an artist um, and what he does but as a human not the best the fact that he can go so hard on people who were your friend at once goes to show that there were maybe some um, buried feelings in it that he was kind of you know covering at the point because he was not say using Tremaine but he was useful at the time for him and the moment he you know wasn't of use he kind of moved but I knew something was off because I remember I said before that um, I saw a I was watching an interview with Tremaine actually that was on the Virgil Abloh channel I think it was part of his um, Of his scholarship fund That he has going on And he was sitting down there Talking to some of the kids About his history And I think in 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 all of those Sort of um, Shows If I'm not mistaken uh, Interviews They have the person Who's the guest Run through their Kind of Um run through their CV, run through their kind of working history in kind of excessive details because obviously they give, they give the lecture to kids who want to get an in industry too so it might be worth to kind of just speak to them openly and clearly about your career so that they can have an idea of how long it actually takes to be successful, get inspired, see the route that you took, see it's so unconventional, blah 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 and he spoke in detail about his come up and but he made a point to say I was at Yeezy but then I got fired which you don't really hear people say often in a scene. It's kind of like, you don't ever mention where you got fired or if you got let go or whatever, maybe it's always kind of just like, you know, suddenly you're here, then you're dead then you're here, but no one actually says the reasons why uh, behind it, because obviously you don't want to sell your name and you just want to keep up the illusion that you're this, you know, this amazing person at your job, whatever maybe I don't know. But the fact that he was so clear to say that, I think um, was a real obvious uh, sort of insight into the fact that maybe something, something untowards happened. You know what I mean? Oh, this is interesting. I'm just check. I'm just checking a tremendous, um, searching him on the Twitter Twitter, and it's saying here this is going to be one of his first designs coming up. I'm not sure this is true. This is Cur- cursive of drops by Bay. It's a tweet here that says, um, "Hearing this is one of Tremaine's first design for Supreme as creative director. Next season will be his first season where he's full control over everything, and the one of the first pieces that he was." He kind of designed was this hoodie that says "prem," so no "supreme" was on the front. That looks pretty sick. That's what they're saying. I'm not sure if that's true, but that looks pretty sick. I love that hoodie, man. I'm not gonna lie, that hoodie is absolutely mad. Let me see what people are saying in the in the comments about it because I'm not sure if that's actually true. Seems a bit too good to be true. Um, this is it besides designs we've heard he has already small things yeah okay this is really true this is really cool too about Tremaine Supreme what he's doing because I love this implementation Kershia's Supreme drops who do does get some good information they say besides designs we've heard that he has already decided small things are no VIP in Bowery which is awesome so you all queue so all that kind of jumping in front of your VIP is null and void everyone queues up um to get their stuff um so finally some level of democracy and that's the thing I enjoyed a lot when I was used to come up in the scene and i was queuing outside of foot patrol and busy workshop and hideout and stuff back in the not hideout mostly but busy workshop and foot patrol and stuff as well back in the day was that there was a meritocracy about it right there was a democracy about it if you got there first you were in there first there was no you got there first and then the friend comes in in the front no 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 you first you go in first it was always treated well like i like that and the fact that he's done that or implemented that back at supreme is nice it's just changing the ticket system and stricter functioning okay nice um no, Barry, for no Bar-V is tremendous. That launch for the SB Lowe's was appalling. Do you know the ticket system? He's been changed. Let's see what they're saying here. They were giving—they—they're they're giving bracelets. Not sure exactly how, as I don't live there. Okay, cool. Hopefully, he gets a little more creative than this. <laughs> you but yeah, I like it. So I'm, I'm eager to see what else he puts forward as supreme as creative director. But like I said, I think. This whole stuff is completely rude and completely unnecessary. Um, I don't like it because they're all friends at they're all friends at one point, but again, to me, it's not surprising. Somebody who was kind of in the scene and involved in this industry for a long time, and who kind of purposely took a step back. These people are all full of shit. They all pretend like they're friends when they're of use to each other. Then the moment they're not of use to each other, the backbiting and the backstabbing and the back talking kind of comes into play. And the thing that I hate the most about all this stuff is that you know you can't necessarily go and fight Kanye anyway because he's clearly giving Karen energy, right? That thing he did recently with Diddy, where and Boosie was like you know antagonizing both of those guys, and then he basically said, "Oh, if anything happens to him." Those are going to be the two main suspects. It's like, bruv, that's strong Karen energy. You can't be, you know, antagonizing people and then kind of pleading victim. He did the same thing to Jermaine. I said, oh, you're threatening me. You're threatening me by wanting to expose the Texas and, you know, reveal the truth. And then he went and did all this stuff. But of course if you're a Tremaine 2, you can't sit on your high horse and be all high and mighty over this because you decided to get in a muck by publicly kind of airing out business that you probably shouldn't have aired out because no one needed to know what you need to know about the virtual thing. But, you know, this is all those guys' business. So let's see what happens and transpires now going forward. The the flipping the Kanye West and Nori interview number three is coming up um, hopefully soon. So I'll be able to react to that and give you my impression on it going forward. But it's a bit messy. I don't like all this stuff. It's nonsense. It's horrible. And if it was me, I'd want to fight the guy instantly. But considering what how he's going on and how he's rolling, if you try and fight him, he's going to probably charse and white you in it. So it might not be the best thing to do going forward. I don't think so. But yeah, that is the Exxon Show episode number Two not two six ten six one zero. Thanks so much for tuning in. But the pleasure to have your company. If you're the first time check out the show, please make sure you you know smash the like button if you're watching via YouTube. Make sure you're sharing it if you're listening via the audio podcast, um, clipping it up or maybe sharing this the, the page on your Instagram stories, all that good stuff to get people to um latch on to and to see what I do also. that would be greatly appreciated. And I'll see you guys again on the other side. Take care, be safe, peace.